Hello and welcome to the Florida State of Recruiting podcast. We are the three stars, proudly presented by Tomahawk Nation. Excited to talk some Florida State recruiting with you. My name is Tim Allenball, and I am joined by David Stout and Josh Pick. And we've got a loaded show tonight. We took some time off during the holidays and sicknesses and all that. So we're going to catch back up on early signing day, the highs and the very lows. Uh, and then also talk about how Florida State has just gone crazy in the transfer portal. Excited to see what impact is going to be there. And maybe touch on some of the names that are going to be on campus this weekend. So let's jump right into it. Josh, looking mighty nice there with your vest and your uh, and your beanie. Uh, is it is it 10 degrees in your house? Uh, it's not warm, but it's fine. It's wintertime. That's what's supposed to happen. I, it kind of bugs me when you see people rock, you know, like, Seven, they put their heat on 70 and they're walking around in t-shirts and shorts and it's like well it's winter time like uh, you, know, yeah. you can you, you can layer up a little bit our heat's on 70 but it's still freezing in our house so it is what it is <laughs> gotta gotta work on that that's the also, worst of both worlds there tim yeah joining us from uh maybe sunny jacksonville i have no idea what's going on there but they did beat the colts so they are parading in the streets it's david stout david how are you buddy I was one of those guys who was wearing shorts the other day and parading around in, in shorts and a t-shirt, but it did get a little chilly in Jacksonville today. I think it got below 60. So Ooh. yeah, we're, we're making it guys. We're making it. So. They're, they're, they're parading in the streets down there because urban got fired. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, well, yeah. Who didn't see that coming? <laughs> right. Right. All the Florida state fans were trying to scream it from the mountaintops. Ah, let's jump right into it guys. Early signing day come and gone. Uh, the big news, which David has put out a really nice article on Tomahawk Nation talking about early signing day, was the Travis Hunter news. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. I think everybody now is is aware and knows what's going on. But David, I just want to touch on you brought up some really, really good points there that um, Florida State is actually lucky that Travis Hunter didn't flip until signing day because I think the class could have eroded quite a bit. Uh, if he had made that announcement even a day sooner. So uh, as much as people want to be mad at Hunter, uh, if he was going to flip, honestly, uh, he did it at exactly the right time, David. Yeah, and I, you know, I've been, people have asked me my thoughts on this time and time again. I think I put it in the article. I can't even remember how many times. And I really wanted to just kind of sit back and reflect on everything um, because I was definitely in my feelings for, for anybody who read the uh <laughs> The early signing day uh, tracker, I was um, uh, uh, very candid in a lot of my comments. And so, um, but I, I kind of have a little bit of a unique perspective because I work with college students and many of them are athletes. And this this whole situation just had so many layers to it that I really wanted to kind of sit back, reflect, and, and really think about a lot of things. But um, yeah, I it, it bothers me seeing all of the name calling and all of the... Um, uh, just people attributing labels to, to him, um, you know, in terms of, you know, being a bad person or having bad character or things like that. I, I don't think that's fair. Um, do I think he handled it the best way he could have? No, I don't. Um, I made a point in that article that if it is true that Mike Norvell and the coaching staff found out on TV. Now, I don't know if that is completely true or not. It, it kind of contradicts some of the things that, that we were told in terms of the conversations leading up to, to the early signing period. But if that is true, 
Um, that's very disappointing. And, uh, you know, I, and I said it in the article, I'm like, don't come at me with the, he's just an 18 year old, like most 18 year olds know not to do that. And, um, I think, you know, as he looks back on his life, this could very well be a wonderful decision for him. And I hope it turns out that way. I mean, he's definitely betting on himself. He's going to a program with, um, you know, vastly inferior uh, nutrition programs and weight facilities and alumni support and and uh, competition. And he's betting on himself. And I hope he wins that bet. But I think that when he looks back on this after he's had, you know, many more years under his belt, and hopefully a long and successful NFL career, if this is true, that he did not inform FSU until the television announcement, I think he's going to look back on that and, and really regret what he did. And, um, but you know, that, you know, someone who works with kids and, and works with developing, you know, individuals and, and hoping that they mature and stuff. I hope this is a learning moment for him as he moves forward. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely the low point of national or, or of uh, early signing period. And it was very, very, very low point. One of the lowest points we've probably had, um, on a signing day in a long time, but it's important not to let that overshadow all of the really good things that happened because there were some, some significant developments that happened during the ESP, specifically Julian Armella and Azariah Thomas joining um, and FSU being able to keep the class solid. And so it's, I think, you know, I, I fully understand why people are so upset about Hunter. Um, and then with Kevin Coleman committing to uh, Deion Sanders and Jackson state, it kind of triggered and, and brought back some of those emotions. I get it. But I will also say that, um, you know, if you choose to focus on the negatives around Travis Hunter, instead of looking at all the kids who did decide to become Seminoles and who are going to help this program moving forward, it's kind of an insult to all the kids who did choose to be Seminoles. And, you know, if you want to stew in that negativity, that's that's on you. But, um, you know, I, I would hope that people would really look to all the guys who who made the decision to become Seminoles and handle things in the right way. Yeah, and, and and you're gonna lose. You know, he's obviously he's the number one player, number two player, whatever. He's one of the top players in the country, and he's a five star, two way player. But as you've talked about Tim quite a few times on the podcast, at least it wasn't the quarterback. Like Florida State couldn't afford to go to another class and lose a top quarterback, a blue chip quarterback, and they got AJ Duffy who went down to the Under Armour game and just showed out all week long, and so that was huge for Florida State. Yeah, I, I think there was a couple of podcasts ago where we talked about the importance of Hunter and other people. And we I think we all kind of said, but really what it all comes down to is the most important piece of this class as a quarterback. And Florida State was able to secure that. And we heard from Tony Tokars today. I also got an, uh, an article there on Tom Hog Nation that Duffy's already uh, soaking up a lot of a lot of the information and doing really well. And, and uh, the coaches are, are, are pretty high on him. Uh, David, just real quick, as you mentioned, uh, Julian Armella, uh, Azra Thomas, both committed to Florida State on early signing day. Both are players that I think are are just huge building blocks for the program that they'll be able to build on. But let's let's circle up real quick and talk about the players. Uh, it is the I think we're recording on January 10th, which I think is Florida State's last ad drop day for classes. So all of the uh, all of the kids should uh, that are early enrollees from the class should be on campus now. And uh, it's one of Florida State's best early enrollee classes they've had, uh, maybe ever, honestly, at least numbers-wise. Uh, they're doing a, a tremendous job here. Let's just kind of talk about this real quick, uh, maybe just spend a few minutes here. But at the top, both Thomas 
and AJ Duffy made it on campus, four stars, uh, and both I think are players that can have an instant impact. And let me just add a caveat here. I know Sam McCall said he's going to be on campus on Sunday. I don't know if I've seen that confirmed yet. Uh, Josh is shaking his head uh, uh, vigorously here. So those three guys, I think, is probably the most important pieces of Florida State's high school class being on campus because those are all three guys. Now, I know Duffy's going to be the backup, but could definitely come in and have some early playing time, or in Duffy's case, secure that number two spot. Josh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, it's exciting. I'm, we mentioned earlier Travis Hunter um, waiting until the last second. I think the biggest piece there that kind of kept in the Florida State class was Sam McCall because Sam McCall was very tight with Travis Hunter, and he would have had a lot of other options had he decided to back off his commitment from Florida State and getting him in that class, another two-way guy, potential special teams guy is huge. Azaria Thomas is another guy that you know can play both ways if you need him to. And, and yeah, A.J. Duffy. Uh, you know, as of right now, I would not be surprised if he's the backup quarterback come come the season. Uh, obviously, the transfer portal could change things there. Yeah, I think I definitely think if we don't see anybody from the portal, we're talking about Duffy as the backup. And and uh, sorry, Kev, not uh, not Tate, not Tate as the backup. Uh, something else I wanted to highlight, David, was the offensive lineman that came in. Now we didn't get Armella in. Uh, that's that St. Thomas Aquinas rule where they don't let him early enroll. I think. Um, but we did get Kaniah Charlton. We did get Daltry Richardson. Um, and those two guys, uh, and did, did Sapp also early enrolling? I forget. No, no, he just committed early. Sorry. Um, but those two guys are two of the guys that probably needed the most, well, how do I want to say this, uh, time to, to get up to speed, David. Is that fair to say? And it, I think it's huge that they are enrolling here early. Yeah, it's and that's been a big storyline of of this high school group that they're coming in. Eleven of the sixteen guys that they took are coming in early, which is I mean that's insane. And then you add on to that all the transfers who are coming in. I mean, spring ball is going to be so much fun. There are going to be so many storylines. But the cool thing is, of those eleven high school prospects who are coming in. Five of them are either offensive or defensive linemen. And all five of those guys are really going to benefit from the extra semester. Now, you look at a guy like Charlton and you look at a guy like Dr. Richardson, you know, Bishop Thomas, hopefully FSU isn't going to need to to count on these guys next semester. But even that additional spring in the strength and conditioning program and, you know, in, in some of these guys' cases in the nutrition program is massive because it helps them start to build habits, right? When you adjust to college and you go to this level of competition, it's all about building habits, building upon the habits that you had in high school. A lot of these guys didn't have great eating habits or great workout routines in high school. And so it can be a tough transition. So when you have that extra semester to get a jump start, boy, it can, it can pay off in spades down the line. And so it's really exciting that FSU is able to get five different offensive and defensive linemen on campus early uh, you know, get get Coach Storms on them. That's that's going to be fun to see the different gains and, and uh, weight loss uh, statistics that they have. And a quick note on uh, guys like Azraea Thomas and Sam McCall, Rodney Hill. It's going to be really fun to see what the coaches do with them in spring ball because spring ball is a time where you just kind of put the puzzle pieces together. And we know that Thomas and McCall can play either offense or defense. So it's going to be really interesting to see, do they get reps on offense? You know, do we see Rodney Hill in the slot a little 
little bit, or is he just primarily a running back? It's going to be fun to see kind of, um, you know, what Alex Atkins and, and Mike Norvell come up with with different schematic uh, options there. Yeah, and it, it, to me, it's nice to see these guys get in early, too, just from the academic side of things. You get in early kind of when there's a little bit less pressure and kind of figure everything out, where everything is on campus, kind of how how to do things and get in that whole routine. And and uh, obviously, nice job pulling in Daniel Lyons from South Florida, but I thought it was really nice to get Dante Anderson as a PWO as well and kind of bring him in. It's, you know, a chance to get a, a good player who's not on scholarship, and it also keeps Daniel Lyons happy and less less likely to get homesick and transfer early on yeah is anderson uh, is anderson coming up in the spring too yep yeah oh man wow that's awesome so that that's huge uh a couple other names to highlight obviously i think aaron hester and omar graham both them being on campus early is massive i think those guys um i think omar could definitely see some playing time next year uh and that linebacker role is there's there's not a lot there hester may not but I, i think he I think he he's setting himself up to get there quicker if, if he had not been here. Um, I think a, another interesting name is Brian Courtney. Um, that guy's coming in as a tight end, but if you've watched his, uh, his huddle film, he plays all over the field. Uh, I think he's a guy that uh, to your point, David, they, uh, they, they have this opportunity in the spring just to kind of see exactly where he fits. Uh, maybe he ends up on the defensive side of the ball somewhere. Uh, but he's just one of those guys. He's one of those guys that in high school is so athletic that he's better than any other player on the field when he's playing, you know. Uh, and so he can just play anywhere. So it'll be interesting once Florida State digs in there to see exactly where they end up putting Brian Courtney. And he and wanna... a huge, huge shout out to uh, Omar Graham. Killed it his senior season. The statistics are off the charts. And, of course, he's one of our favorites, having been the first recruit that we were able to host on on our podcast. But uh, huge props to Omar Graham. Really excited to see what he can do. I want to go back and quickly touch on Dotry Richardson and just just speaking with the staff. And they kind of – it's probably going to be a two-year learning curve for someone like him, but they compared him to a Rod Orr. And so I, I, I like that they're getting these kind of long – you know, Alex Atkins getting these longer, more athletic linemen who may take a little bit of time to, to get into the system and get fully – acclimated and whatnot but those guys are exactly what you're looking for in that position and it's nice that they're not able to have to force them into early playing time and i know and i know that he's really excited about Jalen early as well even though he's not getting him in early people <laughs> sleeping on Jalen early man i'm telling you people are sleeping on him yeah he's gonna, it, he's gonna pop some eyeballs when he gets on campus it's gonna be a nice little class that comes in in the summer uh with armella and early and sap and, and powers so uh, we'll also see what happens with Tay Woody there. Uh, I know grades are a concern, and also Auburn is a concern. So uh, to your point, David, I, I'll take Tay Woody at offense or defense, wherever he wants to play. Uh, definitely uh, somebody we'll keep an eye on. And uh, at this time, I, you know, there's not really any other names to, to kind of mention for the traditional signing day radar. Uh, obviously, that could change between here and there. But I think for the most part, Florida State has set their sights on the on the transfer portal. And uh, they've been pretty successful so far. Right now they have nine transfers, all of them uh, enrolling here in, in the uh, in this spring semester. So they're already all on campus, uh, getting to work out with the team. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, to me, I think it's important to see that all these guys decided to go ahead and pull the trigger and get on campus now. Because here's the thing, 
the mat drills, the tour of duty, whatever you want to call it, that's no joke. And uh, it would be very easy for somebody like like a Jared Verse to be like, yeah, I'm coming to Florida State, but I'll be there in the summer. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll sit out those, you know, I'll skip those in any way, shape, or form. But the fact that these guys are coming on campus and going right into that shows a lot of commitment there. And I'm excited. I'm excited about this transfer class. So let's jump right into it. Nine transfers. David, I want to start with you first, and I want to talk about wide receivers. Florida State has just completely flipped, transformed the wide receiver room after striking out completely uh, in the transfer or in the early signing day. It was obvious that wide receiver was it was probably their number one focus here. And so far, they've added Winston Wright, a wide receiver from West Virginia. They've added Deuce, Deuce Span, uh, a converted quarterback, uh, wide receiver out of Illinois. Uh, former uh, target by by Coach Taggart, I think. Johnny Wilson, who I want to talk about because I think uh, he might be my favorite wide receiver out of Arizona State. And, of course, Micah Pittman, uh, wide receiver out of Oregon. So, David, wide receivers, this is your ball game. Uh, tell me your thoughts here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an article out later this week that kind of goes more into the depth and, and strategy behind what they're doing here. But I, it's incredible to me that what, three weeks ago, we were like, wow, FSU doesn't have a single wide receiver coming in. Now we're like, wow, FSU has four transfer wide receivers. I mean, it's it's remarkable what they have done when they put their mind to this. And, um, you know, the coolest thing about this is these are not guys who are coming in to be one and done. They have every single one of them has multiple years of eligibility left. Now, whether they use all of that is, is, you know, some of them are betting on themselves, but every single one of them fulfills a different role and a different need. Like for instance, you've got Winston Wright, who just came in, who in my opinion is the best of the bunch. He's your guy who's a spark plug. He comes in with the most production. He has, I believe, four, 400 more, career receiving yards than the other three combined already. So he's a bona fide wide receiver. He's also a plug and play in the return game. He's an established returner and he could be a one and done guy. <clears throat> so he's the guy who comes in immediately secures a starting spot. He could very well be your number one wide receiver next year. Then you have a guy named like Micah Pittman coming in, who is probably the best bet at becoming an all around wide receiver who you know may not be excellent in any particular spot but he's going to be very good in all of the spots um, and he's a guy who's going to be consistent he can also help in the return game he's somebody who could develop into a number one guy then you've got Deuce Span, who is six foot four and supposedly from the from his prior position coach runs like a four three four two forty I mean we'll we'll see how true that is but he is probably the rawest of all of them, but he also probably has the highest ceiling of all of them. Um, he could be a bona fide deep threat. Uh, Josh and I were talking earlier. He kind of reminds me of um, Tamorian Terry in a little ways because he's, he's raw. He's kind of rough around the edges, but that size and speed combination, you just don't see. And so he's exciting, but he's going to be more of a project. And then you've got Johnny Wilson, who is a massive human being. And, you know, hands are a little bit of a question mark, but he's an established blocker. So this could be a guy who comes in and is your weapon on wide receiver screens, blocking downfield, 
all that kind of stuff. And so literally every single one of these guys fulfills a different need. Um, and that's crucial because, you know, going into spring ball, I mean, it's, it's wide open. You can tell the wide receiver room is going to be wide open and you have to account for, you know, possible injuries and things like that. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they line these guys up, who gets first team reps, who falls down the depth chart. It's going to be really interesting to see because they basically took the wide receiver room and blew it up. So if you're a returning wide receiver, Florida State, now I don't, I don't include Josh Burrell uh, or Malik McLean in this because they, you know, Burrell was hurt all season and McLean, you know, certainly has plenty of time to go. But boy, if you're Ontario Wilson, if you're Keyshawn Helton, if you're uh, Jordan Young, Kentron Poitier, like you better be on your game because these guys are coming in for your job. So Tim, tell us a little bit more about Johnny Wilson. Uh, I, you know, you missed one thing. I think Johnny Wilson, I know the hands are a question, but I think in the red zone, he's going to be such a weapon that they can throw in you know, the back corner of the end zone. But if you haven't gone and watched some of Johnny Wilson's film last year at Arizona State, his blocking is just unbelievable. Um, just pa- pancaking, guys. There's a lot of film from a Nebraska game that I don't know who the Nebraska defensive back was, but I just feel so bad for him because he just obliterates him like just constantly. And so I just keep thinking about last year when Florida state would throw a a bubble screen and people were tackling everybody like two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, a a receiver to catch a bubble screen and almost to be shocked at at potentially the amount of space that he has that has been cleared out for him. Uh, Really excited to see that you can, if you think about last, this last season, Near the end of the year, Norvell really kind of found a groove for Jordan Wilson, um, even though he is a tight end. But he really found like a sweet spot in the defenses, uh, in their zones, finding kind of holes there. I think Johnny Wilson's going to be that same same type thing. He's going to be that kind of H-back flexed out or whatever you want to call it, maybe even in tight to block, almost like a tight end. But he's going to be he's going to be finding those holes in the zone. And uh, I think he's he's got um potentially a chance to be um have a really big impact this year yeah i think he's probably one of those guys where they're recruiting as wide receiver but he's probably going to play more tight end than he really you know he's not really a tight end but in norvell's offense they're going to use him as a tight end and the good thing about that is the tight end is the weakest position on florida state's roster and you play someone like johnny wilson as a wide receiver number one he's a mismatch but number two it's going to take more of the weakest position off the field for florida state which can only be a good thing and the fact that the blocking is going to get better, which is going to make the reserves block better. But also you bring in guys like Pittman and, and Wright who can make guys miss on the perimeter, whereas some of the guys that Florida State had last year, if, if a block wasn't made, they weren't going to make anybody miss. Whereas you, you see some of these highlights from Pittman and, and Wright, and those guys can make other guys miss in space. And so that'll be nice to see. And I think it's going to be good to take some of the pressure off Blake McClain not having to be the guy. Like, hey, you can be the number two or the number three. And, and, and the fact that they're bringing in these wide receivers and – some of these guys, like Micah Pittman, he's going to be a leader in that locker room. Uh, Winston Wright, he's got a 3.0 GPA. Like They're not bringing in guys with character issues from the transfer portal, which is great to see. Yeah, and because I know we're going to get the question, no, they're not going to convert Johnny Wilson into a traditional tight end who's six foot seven, 280 pounds. No, guys, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Johnny Wilson, as Tim and Josh were saying, He's going to be able to to provide glimpses to FSU fans with what Mike Norvell loves to do with his tight ends and getting his tight ends very involved in the passing 
attacking game. And another thing about Deuce Span that I forgot to mention is um, even though he is raw and still learning the court, the uh, uh, wide receiver position, coming from a quarterback perspective, he already has an intimate knowledge about route trees and timing and all that stuff. So that's only going to help his development. So it's really fun. Um, to It's going to be fun to see the different personalities come out, who steps up in a leadership role. I, I can't wait, man. I, I mean, wide receivers, you're already, you're already, you know, stroking my ego a little bit on this one, but I can't wait to see how this wide receiver room uh, turns out. And even though it's a topic for another podcast, who will be coaching them? Um. The the last thing I want to say about the receivers is time and time again, um, we heard a lot of complaints about Jordan Travis abandoning pockets and not waiting enough time. But the reality of it was the receivers last year struggled mightily getting open, uh, getting separation. Um, and when they did, we saw Jordan Travis have a lot of flashes there, especially down the, the stretch. I mean, obviously the fourth and fourteen. Uh, against Miami, but we saw him really uh, kind of find a groove here and there. I think the th- the thing that we'll see this year, or hopefully see this year, are receivers, especially with like Winston Wright and and Micah Pittman, receivers that can actually get open. <laughs> and uh, then I think we can really better evaluate Jordan Travis as a quarterback. Uh, so I think that's going to be a huge huge thing there. Uh, let's drop. Let, let's jump real quick uh, to probably the biggest name in the transfer portal, and that's Jared Verse, uh, defensive end out of Albany. Uh, just absolutely blew up everywhere. Everybody wanted him. It came down between Florida State and Tennessee, and in the end, the conversations that he had with Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas uh, were really what sealed it for him, as it sounds like. Uh, David, I, I can't talk about how massive this was for Florida State to land Jared Verse. Absolutely. This is this is a huge deal. Um, I would equate this in terms of like prep landing of, you know, Julian Armella of a Sam McCall, because everybody wanted this kid. He had a who's who offer list. And I loved FSU's recruiting pitch, um, leaving it to Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas to, to basically pass the torch to Jared Verse. Now, we're not saying that he's going to come in and immediately be Jermaine Johnson or even Kiara Thomas. He's going to come in and immediately be part of the rotation. There's going to be an adjustment period. But again, this dude is already six foot four in a chiseled 247. And he did this at Albany. Just wait until he gets an FSU strength and conditioning program and nutrition program. I I I mean this this could be an upward trajectory of the likes we have at seen in a while uh, for a developing defensive lineman. And so um, we don't expect him to be an all ACC or all American or anything like that right off the bat. But my goodness, the tools are there and the tools are already sharp. And we know that iron sharpens iron. And I cannot wait to see how he does at this level of competition. But this was an enormous transfer portal victory for Mike Norvell and company. Yeah, and I will say that he kind of had his way against Syracuse this year. Not that Syracuse is all that good, but that's ACC competition. So he's shown that he can play at this level. He's a kid that was a tight end in high school and was about 200 pounds. So he's already put on 40 pounds. And and that's why you see the big leap. A lot of times when you see these guys that were one-star, two-star, three-stars, whatever, and all of a sudden they're a first-round pick, it's because they put on a huge amount of mass in college or grew a ton or changed positions. And he's a guy that changed positions and put on a ton of weight. And uh, Florida State did a great job, as you said, of selling that proof of concept. Like, look, we 
we brought in these guys for one year and we made them into bona fide NFL prospects. And, and we can do the same thing with you. And he's a kid that's not on campus yet. He's still out in Phoenix, but he's going to be on campus later this week. And so that'll be huge for Florida State. Yeah, um, I think Florida State still needs one more defensive end in the portal. But I think this was probably the biggest offseason win for them. Yeah, and, and we talked about that. It, it really makes sense. You would think that they would get another defensive end in the portal, but I'm, I really think the defensive staff is leaning towards moving Dennis Briggs back outside and maybe putting him in that Keir Thomas role. Yeah, and that would make a lot of sense, uh, you know, with, with, um, with the defensive tackle spot looking like it's going to stay uh, pretty much the same it was last year. Uh, uh, Williams, what am I saying? Fabian Lovett hasn't actually said that he's coming back, but I think there's already pictures of him uh, in the weight room as of early as today. So it's somebody that we, that we respect, we expect back and Coop already announced he's here. So I, I definitely think they can afford to move Briggs outside and Briggs actually played really well there last year. And so if they don't end up with somebody else, that's not the end of the world. I just think that it would be good to have another depth piece there. Uh, the Dawkins kid, um, that went to uh, South Carolina. South Carolina, I think, would have been a, a good pickup and somebody that would add some good depth there. But overall, though, I do like what the, the staff is doing at the defensive end position and uh, the situation where we got to trust what they're uh, what they have planned here. And just one more quick comment: there is, you know, it, it doesn't ease the pain of missing out on Marvin Jones Jr. But I think Jared Verse is going to give you more in season one than Marvin Jones would have. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Josh, the other big name that sticks out to me on the defensive side of the ball, I know we've got Greedy Vance from, from Louisville in the defensive back, and we'll talk about him for just in just a second. But uh, I think Tatum Bethune is – he might be as big of a deal as Jared Verse, honestly, for that linebacker room. Because really, uh, if there was a, a weakness in Florida State's defense, it's that after Deloach last year, there was nobody. And uh, now they got Bethune there. I think we have a pretty solid uh, linebacking core. Yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to say go as far as saying he's as important as Jared Verse just because Florida State only plays two linebackers and you've got to have a pass rush. But, yeah, this is a guy that's coming in as a bona fide linebacker, a guy that had over 100 tackles last season for UCF and a kid that I think is going to come right in and start next to Kalen Deloach. Yeah, and, and that, that gives them the flexibility to figure out exactly what they want to do with DJ Lundy. Do they want to keep training him at linebacker, or is he somebody potentially that moves to a defensive end spot? Also gives them a little more freedom with Amari Gaynor. But uh, for the first time since, oh my gosh, uh, 2017, you've got two competent linebackers, David? Is, I mean, does that uh, sound right? <laughs> I, I freaked out when Tatum Bethune committed. I, I, you know, we, we had a good feeling about verse coming into it, but when Bethune popped, I, I think it's the most excited I got over any uh, transfer portal kids so far, because, you know, I, I hate the linebacker room that FSU has right now. I hate it. It's, it's just, there are some, there are some pieces in there. There are some young guys that I think, can become good players. So I, I don't mean in terms of the younger guys and thank goodness that the light switch came on for Kalen Deloach, but man, it, it, it is nowhere near the standard that FSU should have for a linebacker room. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited about Bethune because he's so familiar already with both Sabbath Joseph and um, Randy Shannon. And so I, like Josh said, I think that 
he's a guy who already knows a lot of the language that's going to be used. And so um, in terms of play calls and schemes and stuff, and so he should be able to start right off the bat. I still think FSU needs another linebacker to come in. And I really hope that they're able to find somebody who has minimum uh, two more years of eligibility left because that, you know, they, they have totally flipped the wide receiver room. They are in the process of totally flipping the offensive line unit, which is fantastic, but uh, you have, got to get the linebacker unit in your sights next. And um, so I'm super excited about Bethune. I also think that he has a chance to be not just a leader in the linebacker room, but he has a chance to be a captain of the defense and potentially a team captain as well. Uh, By all accounts, he's fantastic in the classroom. He's fantastic off the field. He's got a lot of uh, intangibles that are really going to help out in this locker room. Yeah, I I think you nailed it. He's going to be a leader for sure uh, and, and somebody that Florida State's going to love at the defensive spot. Josh, the other name there, Greedy Vance, Louisville, tons of experience. Um, somebody I think that, that was kind of questioned why Florida State took Vance with the way the defensive back is already kind of set up. Defensive backfield is already kind of set up. But uh, if you go back and watch the film, Florida State paid – played a ton of defensive backs last year. Uh, Greedy Vance is, is a solid pickup, and I think somebody that will um, Florida State will see a lot of next year. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that's already got starting experience in the ACC, and he's versatile. He's a kid that you can play down inside in that Kevin Knowles role, or you can move him outside if you have to. And he's a smaller kid, but he's not, not scared to stick his nose up there and make some tackles. He's a physical player, so uh, – it's a solid take. Another kid from Louisiana, Coach Yak Johnson's area, and uh, Coach Woodson was obviously involved as well. But uh, and a kid with a lot of eligibility remaining too. So, in in that sense, it's not a bad take. Definitely. Um, and then finally, let's talk about the offensive line spot. Bless Harris committed uh, a few months back. Uh, he's going to be somebody that's kind of one of those, for lack of better words, swing linemen, uh, which is something that. Alex Atkins has definitely shown that he values. Uh, he's coming in, and then also the guy that we're expecting to be Florida State's starting center this year, Caden uh, Lyles, coming over the Wisconsin transfer. Uh, I, I think Florida State still needs to add an offensive tackle, and we can talk about that in a second. But Florida State definitely making some moves to secure the offensive line, Josh. And, and I know that uh, these are two players that Atkins really values. Yeah, and I think that Caden Lyles is the most underrated player in this class. I mean, that kid's going to come in and start at center and give you an all-ACC quality if he's healthy, and and that's just massive because Florida State got blown away at center last year with bad snaps and not enough girth and just not enough mobility and strength, and I think Caden Lyles is a huge upgrade at the center position, which is going to make the entire offensive line better. And uh, Bless Harris is another kid that, yeah uh, – He might not start right away, but he's going to give you a chance to start, and he can play guard if you need him, and he can play probably right tackle if you need him as well. I think you nailed it. Mo Smith's a good player, but got sick, got hurt. I don't think he was right from from day one once the season started uh, with injuries and stuff and just never could add the weight he needed. And by the end of the year, uh, that pocket, the collapse was coming from the middle almost every single snap, Uh, and uh, it it really just – Hard to execute your offense when uh, the middle of the pocket's just decimated right away. Um, so that's that's Florida State's transfer class. I think that's probably all we'll see 
for the spring semester unless after the championship game tonight there's some mass exodus and some uh some 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 slick moves in the uh admissions department david i know that with your experience uh it's a possible but it gets really difficult to uh to get kids in after that ad drop uh deadline yeah this is something i'm seeing a lot of websites pushing that um that it's, you know, they think that it's easy to get waivers uh, for these guys to come in. And I mean, as somebody who works at a university and sits on a committee that helps approve these waivers, I can tell you that it's not that easy because, you know, if you're talking about this week, like if they're trying to get a waiver to get a kid into class by the end of this week, okay, that, you know, that, that can probably be pushed through because you're only missing truly, you know, about a week and a half of class. But if you're trying to to say that FSU is going to try to get a waiver to get a kid in here at the end of January, that's probably not going to happen because they've met, they're still student athletes and the university, I don't care where you are, the university absolutely, you know, protects its policies in that regard. And so, I don't know, I think it's, it's, there's some misinformation going on about how easy it is to get, um, you know, waivers for some of these situations. Uh, that has not been my experience at, at, uh, five different universities I've worked at. And so um, with that, like you said, you know, there could be someone from Bama or Georgia, or there could be, you know, somebody they decide to really kind of swoop in on at the last minute here. But I would say, uh, you know, we, if they're going to get a kid in, it's going to be, it's going to need to be by the end of this week. But I think it's pretty safe bet that they're, they're, they're straight on, on what they're rolling with at this point. Um, and uh, just really, really excited about the needs they've fulfilled. And, and uh, we've talked about it and, and we can kind of move into the speculative part more. We're thinking they may have as many as four more spots left. Um, and so, Tim, what, what, uh, if you could choose, if they get four more kids that they can bring in, what positions are you choosing? Yeah, so let me just say, number one, uh, offensive tackle. I think a legitimate left tackle, you get a left tackle in there, and then you're talking about that left tackle. You're talking Dylan Gibbons, Caden Lyles, probably then Darius Washington's your right guard, and Robert Scott's your right tackle, or that's switched. And then you've got functional depth, depth behind it, where if that left tackle goes down, Washington can swing over there. Uh, you've, you've got Bless Harris. Uh, you've got other people. Uh, that Something, you know, maybe Rod or maybe a Lloyd Willis. Uh, maybe Thomas Strader, if he comes back healthy, this is not something that Florida state's had in a while, but I still think that functional depth is not going to be there unless they pick up one, one more legitimate starting tackle. Uh, so that's one, I think another running back, um, another defensive end, and then it's kind of a toss up. I think either linebacker, uh, so that you can have more than two that you can depend on or uh, like a quarterback that, that's going to back up Jordan Travis. I don't think they're going to bring somebody in that's going to take Travis's role, but I think that they might look for a graduate transfer type that isn't necessarily looking to start, but for lack of better words, like an Alex Hornibrook, but better than Alex Hornibrook, but that type that's going to be your backup there. Okay. Pick, how are you allocating the last four spots? Yeah, number one is a left tackle with multiple years of eligibility, preferably. Um, another defensive end would be there. Um, uh, a backup quarterback, because right now, if Jordan Travis goes down, you're winning maybe three or four games next season. 
Um, so you got to have somebody that's competent there. And then I would say a linebacker probably. I think if I think if a running back becomes available and he's quality and, and Fortis they can get him in, they'll, they'll make a space for him. But I just don't think that's a priority right now. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a tight end come in too. But I just, you know, you, you start to worry about the number of scholarships you have remaining and if you can push enough guys out. All right, David, what about you? Well, I think three of them need to be wide receivers. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, I'm with you on the, the offensive tackle. Absolutely crucial. Um, and then my next priority would be a linebacker uh, with, with multiple years of, of eligibility left. And then I think I would roll with quarterback um, because even though I think, I think AJ Duffy is really, really going to benefit um from this spring, but it's still just a spring. And so, you know, you don't want to have to start a true freshman, um, you know, if your guy goes down. And so a, a backup quarterback, um, Malik Hornsby is a name that that really piqued my interest. We don't know that FSU has even made contact with him at all, but I think a guy like that who has a little bit of a similar skill set to Jordan Travis, um, where you can really utilize the mobility would be really nice because then then you're not having to kind of speak a different language to both of your your top two quarterbacks there. Um, and then the last one, I think I would go either defensive end or defensive tackle, uh, depending on what they do with Dennis Briggs, because even though defensive tackle is really looking good for this season, you lose probably your top three contributors, uh, from this season, next season. And so there's, there's going to be a drop off there. So if they could find a nice defensive tackle, I'd be cool with that. Um, I'd prefer it to be a defensive end. But, you know, it would be cool to see one more defensive lineman come in unless Tay Woody works out and decides he wants to play defensive tackle. Definitely will be interesting. Uh, You know, you're going to see the speculation is Trey Sanders going to leave Alabama or one of the offensive tackles in front of them. You know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, Jameer Gibbs has signed up for Alabama. That definitely makes that room interesting to see what happens there because Gibbs has, uh, I think, uh, at least another year and at Alabama. So we'll see what happens there. Anything though, that we would be saying right now would be pure speculation uh, because anything else would technically be tampering right now. Uh, so we'll see we, what happens there. Go ahead. We Josh. know that doesn't, we know that doesn't happen in college sports. Exactly. So. Oh, especially with the transfer portal era that, that never happens guys. No, no, Exactly. Uh, but let's 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 end this show by taking a quick peek at the 2023 group. Uh, Florida State's going to have their first group in this weekend. It's not necessarily what I would call a junior day. It's not a big group of kids, and it, it looks like maybe Norvell and crew are going to maybe approach the recruiting game a little bit different uh, with maybe bringing in smaller groups, Josh. But some names to highlight for this weekend. I know that you've kind of been keeping your eyes and ears on that. Yeah, I mean, you got to start with quarterback Chris Parson, and that's huge. That that the kid that you know, all you got a new staff, your offensive coordinator's gone, and first first chance he gets to get back on campus, he's there, and, and that's why I love that he's in Tennessee as opposed to Texas. It just makes it easier to get to campus. And a kid that, f- for as far as I can tell, is a hundred percent locked in still for Florida State, which is great, and he's going to undoubtedly be the leader of the class. Um, another kid that's coming in that I know Florida state likes a lot and he likes Florida state a lot is offensive lineman, Rod Kearney, um, from Florida. And I think he's one of the top targets actually for Florida state at offensive line in this upcoming class. He could be another one of those swing guys where he could play offensive guard, could play offensive tackle listed at six, four. I'm sure that 
Coach Atkins will love to get his measurables and see if he can use him inside or if he's going to be a guy that can actually push outside and play a tackle. But uh, I know he's he's high on Florida State, and Florida State's high on him as well. Um, Makari Vickers, uh, defensive back from Tallahassee, would be great to keep some quality at home. And uh, Makari Vickers is very, very talented. So he's going to be on campus. And then uh, Dijon Johnson is another defensive back who they recently offered out of Tampa, four-star cornerback. And uh, he's kind of starting to see his recruitment blow up a little bit. So it's nice to get him on campus. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Tyler Williams supposed to be on campus as well this weekend? Tyler Williams is supposed to be on campus as well, but I figured that we'd leave that up to Davidson so he's got a man crush on him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> hey, what position does he play? Uh, I think Forest State might be trying to use him at de- uh, uh, wide receiver. Yeah, wide receiver. So yeah, I know who he is. Um, no, he's he's definitely towards the the top of my uh, want list. He is related to Vince and Carlos Williams. Uh, they have assured Noel Nation that he is Noel blooded, just like his cousins are. Um, but he's a guy who really has has kind of shot up towards the tail end of last season. Um, bonafide four-star wide receiver, very, very athletic, great bloodlines. Um, he's, he's a very exciting one. And, uh, Josh highlighted the name, but Makari Vickers is, it's really exciting that he's going to be there too. Um, even though he is from Tallahassee, do not mistake that he is a locked Florida state because Alabama is in on him. I believe Saban is personally recruiting him from Alabama. Uh, George is interested, like he's, he's a national recruit. And so it's, it's big to get him into an event like this. And, um, you know, the big, I'm, I'm so glad that Josh is already in 2023 because I haven't shifted over there yet with this whole, with all the transfer stuff going on, it's thrown me off, but it's going to be really, really, uh, fun to follow how Norvell and his staff approach 2023, because, you know, they're killing it in the transfer portal this off season, but, I, you know, time hasn't really proven it yet because we haven't had a ton of time in the transfer portal era, but, many of us strongly believe that you cannot live off the transfer portal. And so it's a great way to fix roster holes. It's a great way to, to add depth and things like that, but you cannot neglect the high school aspect of recruiting. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach this. Do they try to um, even things out again? Do they go heavy in high school? Like, you know, we're finally getting past the COVID season to where depth charts and, and eligibility are, are starting to take better shape with all those things. And so scholarship numbers at each class and each year are going to count again, um, you know, in terms of turnover. And so it'll be really interesting to see how many guys they target at different positions and, and how picky they decide to be uh, and, and things from there. And so, yeah, it does seem like this will be kind of a smaller event compared to some of the junior days we've seen in the past, but, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing because all, you know, the smaller these junior days are, the more individualized attention these kids are going to get from staff members. And by the way, these kids are going to come on for junior day. Once all of these early enrollees and all of these transfers have already settled in. And so, Immediately, you've got 11 high school guys and nine transfers, 20 total new Seminoles who are going to be in these guys' ears, which is really, really cool to think about. Yeah, and to your note, uh, Macari Vickers out of the same school as Terry on Arnold, who uh, went to Alabama. So as you said, not necessarily a no lock, just because he's here uh, locally. And you but, can bet uh, they're going to use Terry and Arnold in his recruitment. You can bet that. If he goes to OV with Alabama, I, I'm calling it right now, Terry and Arnold's going to be his host. That's, that's going to happen. I need Terry and Arnold to go ahead and hit that transfer portal. <laughs> that'd be today. wonderful. That's, that's what I need. Yeah. Um, 
so definitely interesting weekend and interesting to see how Florida State uh, approaches this year. But to your point there, David, uh, how Alex Adkins has attacked the offensive line position in the high school ranks is really what I would like to see Florida State do at, at several other positions. He has taken that floor and he's raised it. Uh, he's had to supplement it with, with the transfer market. But, you know, next year I could see us probably maybe needing another transfer too. But then two years from now, they're going to finally have that solid foundation that, that has been lacking there. Uh, offensive line, obviously one of the positions that takes the longest to develop because of the size and everything you have to be there. But, you know, I'd love to see them do it that at defensive tackle. I think we're slowly getting there at defensive end, even though we missed so many names this past season. But George Wilson, Patrick Payton, uh, Turner, you know, you got boots coming up in the 2023 class. So I, I definitely think they're getting there. Defensive tackle needs an overhaul. Uh, Daniel Lyons is a great, a, a great start. We'll see what happens with Bishop Thomas. But, you know, there's a huge gap there after Malcolm Ray uh, to, to your next uh, contributors, you know, we have to see what we get from, uh, from Farmer and from Chambray. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. Linebacker obviously needs that huge overhaul. They're doing a great job building up that defensive back class and getting there. And then, of course, offense, uh, wide receivers, wide receivers. Uh, but we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's it's I'll tell you, it's when this staff puts its mind to flipping a position room, they flip that position room like it's it's like a scorched earth policy flipping of the <laughs> position room. So I'm really hoping that linebacker is the next one that gets that treatment. But you're right. There are some significant um, depth concerns at multiple positions. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they approach that. Josh, and as you've seen, if uh, if you don't overhaul your room, your 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 position room, uh, you might not be at Florida State very long. Yeah, and it's fair. If, if, you're, if you're not recruiting, you're not developing, What I mean, no offense, but what good are you? So uh, you, these guys are getting paid a lot of money. I know there's a lot of pressure, but when push comes to shove, you got to get the job done. If you don't, there's the road. Yeah, so on that note, we will see what happens at the wide receiver coaching position over the next few weeks for Florida State. So, um a lot, of, a lot of smoke there. But, guys, uh, anything else before we, we call it a night and go see which wonderful SEC team brings home the championship? You guys got any thoughts on the, on the big game? I, uh, I can't go against Nick Saban. Yeah, it's I'm the same way. It's <laughs> in a national championship game facing one of his former assistants. It's really hard to bet against Nick Saban. Yeah, I would say don't bet against Nick Saban, but it's also hard to beat a really good team twice in the same season. So you got to give Georgia some a chance there, especially if they play the way they did against Michigan. And, and my final thought is this. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I hate Alabama. I'm going to root for Georgia. But what changes if Alabama wins another national title? Nothing. Nothing. They're, they're winning them every other year or every year now. Yeah. And, and Georgia's still little brother. If Georgia wins a national championship, that – fan base is going to be so obnoxious and Kirby's going to sell that they're national champions and this, that, and the other, as much as it would pay me to see Alabama win, nothing changes if Alabama wins again. Yeah. From a Florida state perspective, it's better for Bama to win because that just gives Georgia even more momentum and uh, Florida state fights Georgia. I think more than they do Alabama currently. So and especially if, and, and, uh, go ahead. Especially Josh. If, I was going to say, especially if Florida state is trying to get back inside 
the state of Georgia and bring some of those South Georgia dogs down to Florida State. Yeah. And it, it's funny, we're recording this, uh, you know, about 30 minutes before the game starts. So when you hear this, uh, this all could sound like stupidity. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Well, last but, thing I want to say to uh, to our listeners and, and the people in our community is, again, we uh, we really appreciate you all. This, this past early signing period, um, I mean, our site did a ton of traffic. I, I mean, how many views did that article get? Almost 100,000 views in one day. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's really a testament to all the community members. Now, it could have been like 10 guys refreshing 10,000 times each day, and we could be fools for that. But we really appreciate y'all. Um, and we do this for you, as, as we've said multiple times, uh, this is none of our full-time job. We do this out of the love for FSU and the love for the community. And this is our first one of 2022, and we're hoping that 2022 will bring a lot of really good podcasts and some cool new content. And, um, you know, as always, please check out the transfer portal thread, the recruiting thread. Those are going to continue on and, and we're going to try to do some more mailbag episodes and things like that. So no questions, a stupid question. Um, even though some of the other readers may make you feel stupid at times, we, we, we try not to, to do that, but um, please ask any questions that you have uh, anything like that. And, and we're really looking forward to another year with, with this community. So thank you guys so much for your support. Yeah, make sure you go to Tomahawk Nation, uh, the recruiting thread, obviously. Uh, Josh and David are there constantly. I poke my head in every so often, and David has to fix my tweet, my tweets for me. But uh, the portal thread is also hopping out there. I, David has to put out like a new one every two days because they have so many comments. So go check out both of those. Uh, if you have any questions, we'll, we'll do our best to help answer uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Leave us a comment. Tell us how amazing uh, you, you think Josh would look in a beanie because he's wearing one right, right now. Uh, but we'd love to hear back from you. Uh, we do this for you guys. We don't just do it just to sit around and, uh, and make fun of each other. But uh, we're, we're looking forward to bringing you an exciting year and hopefully less of a gut, gut punch come, uh, come early signing day for, for next year. Maybe in 2022, they don't have to imagine we can go video podcast and they can see us and we can dress to the nines for them and all that. But yeah, make sure to subscribe and rate us five stars. We uh, really appreciate it. We Definitely. should look into a uh, sponsorship through, uh, is there such thing as a kale company? Is that garbage manufactured or is it grown? I don't know, but maybe Josh. we should be sponsored by kale. Yeah, I guess Josh, that resolution didn't up. happen in 2022. These idiots are still going to run on that ramp. <laughs> <laughs> well, for everybody here at Tomahawk Nation, David Stout, Josh Pick, I'm Tim Allenball. Let's keep climbing.